This is Splice. Morning, Olio. Hi, Alan. Hey, hey. I, I love that we didn't have to give you any instructions on how to get started here. <laughs> <laughs> You've been hanging out with us from day one, man. Yeah, it's been pretty good. Missed quite a few, though, but caught them on the, um, on the recording. Uh, very, very kind. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Splice Lo-Fi, number 26. It's Friday. It's the 22nd of October. It's maybe still, uh, even still 2021. So Lo-Fi is a thing we do every Friday morning because we want to feature people in the media ecosystem that we're fanboys for. And it also gives us a way to check in on what this lovely community is up to. This thing is recorded live. Once we're done, it goes out just as it is with very slight edits, with all the filler ums and ahs as a podcast episode. You're going to find Splice Lo-Fi in your podcast app. So if you like this, please make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you're jumping in on this Telegram conversation live, you want to be taken off the record, let us know right after we're done. We'll edit you out. And hey, it's a conversation, so jump in with questions. Pop your question into the Splice Telegram group, and we'll ask it for you. Or unmute yourself and speak. Or forever hold your peace. So today, we're finally saying a proper hello to our friend, Ole Masna, who's been hanging around this audio room since we, we got started. Um, I love the fact that you show up almost every Friday, man. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> for being here. Uh, so, so Alia, corporate chief editor at Ecomsi yeah. in Indonesia. Uh, what does it actually mean? <laughs> the, I think that the I word think corporate kind of threw me off. Uh, it's yes. not something you see in front it, of the word. Yeah, it, it, it does. Uh, it throws me off too, but. Um... I mean, uh, I mean, title's a title, right? But it doesn't really, you know, doesn't really matter. But uh, essentially, my function is to um, to lead the editorial teams at the company. So Asumsi is um, it's Asumsi Media Holdings. Right? So we have uh, at least for now we have a couple of brands under the um, under the company, and the chief editors of each report to me. Um, so I'm basically responsible for all the editorial and all the content on um, on the company side. Uh, the editor, I I'm responsible for all the content side of the company. <laughs> You're like the super yeah. chief editor, and the I, yeah, editorial buck stops with you. Yes. Right. I guess in, in so, most other publishing um, outlets, it's actually a publisher. Um, that's probably the closest thing I can think of. Um, but my my role kind of um, it's kind of mixed in with the with the chiefs as well. Uh, sometimes I I, um, I would step in and um, get involved uh, on the day to day. You know, you're comparing this with a with a publisher role, uh, which suggests to me that you have some P and L um, responsibilities. Is that correct? Um, sort of. Um, the thing is, right now, it's uh, all the financial stuff is being handled by uh, by our business team. I uh, I don't have a lot of um, insight into that. Um, I mean, I should, but right now, um, that's still being handled all pretty much primarily by the business team. Uh, I have some input into it, uh, and I have some responsibility over um, certain parts of revenue and how we how we spend, you know, um, how we do our, our expenses, but not a lot of, um, it's not one of the primary functions of uh, of my role here. So like I said, we, it's probably closest to a publisher, but not quite. 
Cool. Um, let's go back to what uh, what Asamsi is and what what you guys do right. for for those of us who aren't too familiar with Asamsi. What is what does it do? What's the mission? The company started out as a YouTube channel uh, back in 2017. Yeah. Um, so I started off with that. Um, it was primarily to bring politics into the uh, to give a suppose a useful um, angle to politics uh, and we would introduce politics or we would uh, expose um, politics to the younger generation right give them a bit of a, a flair show them what uh, what it's like um, on you know and uh, what's going on in the government and, and why why people should should care about it um, so that's uh, the YouTube channel is still around uh, in fact it's actually one of the um, the bulk of our audience uh, is on YouTube, but that function of politics has kind of shifted to the website and uh, the YouTube is now primarily concerned with um, exposing the certain areas, certain urban areas. So um, on, on YouTube now, we have a couple of, uh, couple of flagship, channel, uh, flagship shows. One is called District, which is the, um, the urban highlights. So we would send our uh, our video team to different parts of the country and um, and bring it up, talk about it, and so, uh, often it's uh, areas that people have knowledge about that, that they're familiar not say familiar with, but they've heard about or uh, or in, or has or there's a the public interest in it, and we would highlight specific characteristics of of that region. For example, um, there's a um, there's an area in in the province of Banten, um, where there's a group of people that's deliberately avoiding themselves from uh, from technology, from um, urban sprawl. They live in they, they live in the woods. They live very traditionally with traditional tools. So we went there one time because the trigger was the president wore uh, their traditional clothing to the state of the basically our version of state of the union last time, and somebody sort of made made fun of it. And we thought that it would be a good opportunity for us to actually highlight that specific area and, and what kind of people they are, why they dress that, that way, and um, and why they live that way. So we sent our video team over there and we, we get them to um, to talk to us about what what life is like in um, in the community. Yeah, we, it's so they call it the uh, the Badui community. There's a debate as to where the name came from because it's uh, some say it's, it's a take on the uh, Bedouin um, term uh, brought back by the Dutch, but I mean, so brought here uh, by the Dutch. But like I said, there's a there's a bit of a debate there. But regardless, that's um, that's what the that's the common term for that community, and yeah, we we highlighted that. Um, and of course, being a current issue at the time, it caught quite a bit of a uh, caught quite a lot of traffic. Um, so that's district, uh, our flagship show about uh, urban areas. The other one is Karahbiru, which is literally blue collar. We highlight blue collar uh, workers, whether they're um, baristas or taxi drivers, um, street vendor sellers, uh, and people in the, well, I guess you could say uh, rather relatively low paying jobs, um, and but crucial to, um, crucial to the community. And a lot of people like to know, uh, would like to know what it's like to, you know, uh, 
to be in that position what is uh, what what the job entails uh, um, and how they think about it yeah. so hmm. it really is to basically ex exposing the um, you know uh, the everyday lives and giving spotlight to people who typically don't get them um, so those are the, the main drivers of our show uh, of our YouTube channel but we also have a few other um, recurring shows that we produce as uh, as the opportunity arises and yeah so that's the YouTube channel uh, as I said earlier the politics side kind of shifted to um, to our uh, website and articles and also social media so what uh, on the website we we actually recently shifted our focus a little bit um, because for a while uh, Asumsi was very I think it was a couple of years, 2019, 2020, um, our content was primarily highlighting social issues and also politics, right? But we, we used to do it with a, with a very personal perspective and very critical perspective. Some had accused us of being social justice warriors and, and whatnot, but you know, uh, when, I mean, when your actual symbol of the country actually says social justice for all, that, that kind of goes with the territory, you know. Um, so a very strong mission. Yeah, it's a very strong mission. Um, so that angle is kind of softened a little bit these days because uh, at the at the beginning of the year we had quite a bit of an overhaul of uh, of the editorial staff. There was a a directional change, and um, the editorial staff was um, well. We had let's just say we. We brought in uh, new people, right? and while managing that, mm. um, I was brought in because I had recently uh, I had left Apple um, in, in January, and um, uh, and I'm, I'm friends with the uh, with the CEO of SMC, Pangeran Sihaan. Um, he used to be a sports journalist, um, one of the uh, this one of the most well known, uh, and I think he. Uh, he had, yeah, he, he was primarily a, um, a football commentator on TV, but he had left that and, and started SMC back in 2017. Um, and anyway, we've had, we've had chats for a while. And now when he was having this, um, this overhaul, we had a chat and asked me to, um, to come in and, um, you know, and help him reshape the, uh, the editorial vision of the company right so here i am yeah that actually that's quite quite interesting to me because we're as you know we're we're very very interested in in transformation of, of media companies what was it that triggered this this change in smc what was the opportunity that, that he saw and what what did he wanted to see changed so i think the i guess the the what i can say is the issue is about um changing the narrative changing how the company um wants to present the you know the important issues that are important to uh, well yeah the important issues that are that our audience needs to know about um, I think uh, and and at that time uh, some other um, team also has uh, I think that the contacts were up and they decided to um, to move somewhere else and so when they moved on um, it was very difficult to find people who were uh, on the same, you know, uh, on the same frequency, I suppose, or, or, or having the same sort of um, uh, 
uh, perspective. Um, so because of that change, we also feel that it's an opportunity for us to um, start something different or, or to, to reshape the way we um, we report, uh, we deliver our content, right? So we used to do a lot of, I wouldn't say long form, but a lot of um, essays from personal perspective, a lot of critical uh, views, right? But they're all, they're, they've all been written from, from a personal perspective. So what we're doing now is doing, is um, going into the more of the journalistic side where we report the news uh, with sources um, and, and, you know, and, and that, well, because the, the typical um, journalistic, journalistic process, right? Um, you would get sources to come in, we get, uh, we reshape our, um, our content in the sense that we, for quite a while, we were working on a new format. And then now we, we felt, we pretty much landed on on the format that we wanted to use moving forward, which is a very very short, very um, very on point. Uh, and I have to say that, to be honest, Axios is um, a model for us. Although we obviously um, we don't know that's interesting, how, right? We don't know how they came uh, how they how they came to that particular format, but uh, we sort of played around with it for a little while, and that actually caught on. So uh, we decided to. Wait, what what is it the for, about the format that that you appreciate, and what what do you think? Uh, you know what what it's, what does it say about your audience and what they want from you? So, um, a lot of Indonesians, especially those who are on social media, they um, they tend to read just the headlines, right? Uh, and they often avoid articles that are uh, too long winded, that are long, you know, um, that tell a story with. Um, from from several perspectives from from a lot of um i guess that has a lot of narrative to it so what we decided was to compress all the news into you know uh, bite size bite size chunks with uh, um with the relevant prompts uh, as the you know um, as the leading as the lead to the paragraphs and we discovered that after moving to that format uh, we actually increased our um, page views and readership by about, I think, thirty to forty percent. So that was um, that was quite a revelation to us because all the other um, all the other media outlets are still doing things the same way as they always have. But when um, I guess I'm not saying that this is uh, applicable to everyone, but it's certainly applicable to our audience. When we switched our um, our style to this new one, um, our, our audience just you know just grew um, significantly. Um, for, just to give you an idea, I guess our um, our social media traffic used to be about 20, 30 percent of the um, of uh, of our audience, and now it's pretty much about seventy percent, sixty sixty five to seventy percent week on week. Uh, and that was really surprising. Uh, I guess it's you could say that it's prompted by um, prompted by the caption on Twitter and the headlines. Um, but we ha we haven't done anything specific about those particular uh, elements. So we'd like to think that um, while while we do cover the issues that are close to um, close to people's interest, uh, the way we write. Um, the way you read the the stories, the articles, uh, they connect 
really well with our audience so that they tend to stick to stick around and also our um our time on page uh, also went up from typically three minutes to more than four and a half now so so i'm curious olia um yeah. if if you've had um is this an opportunity perhaps to have um you know a real one-on-one -on -one or one on one to many sort of uh, conversations with sections of your audience or your, your you know uh, your various audiences uh, have you guys actually uh, jumped in to you know sort of test assumptions or or figure out like um, what what more they want from you what do you mean by a uh, one to one on one oh you mean actually um, talking to the audience and having like a user like, research like actual user, yeah like a conversation with them um, not just happening. just generally user research um yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, some seed to to your readers to, to your audience. viewers yeah, yeah um not not at the moment um we're still uh we're still doing quite a bit of um tweaking internally um so once we once that is all settled then i think um it will be a good opportunity to do that um but probably we, we might not be able to do that until early next year actually so because there's quite a lot of uh, tweaking inside that's happening um, and right, and what we just need to set, what, set aside time for it. Absolutely. What what's uh, and speaking of you know uh, t tweaking internally and stuff. What's what's uh, coming up? I mean, you guys have a bunch of different products. Um, yeah. What do you have? What do you have planned for the future? Um, right now, aside from the YouTube channel and the website, and also our social media um, channels. We have a podcast that's been running for about a couple of years or so now, uh, Asumsi Bersuara, which is Asum, um, the voice of Asumsi. That's a weekly show uh, where we talk about the issues um, that are hot of uh, yeah, the, the hot issues of the week. Um, right now, I think uh, it's one of the outlets we have that we might want to tweak as well uh, down um, down the line because we have a pretty good audience, but we recognize that people might uh, people want to know a little more. So uh, we have a few plans for um, for that, but um, we haven't locked in anything at the moment. Um, another is the, uh, I mentioned earlier that we have a couple of brands. So the other brand is called Regista, uh, which is a football term of, of a essentially it's a playmaker who does um, who does things more elaborately and uh, who plays deeper into the field, right? So um, we started Registad barely a couple of months ago. Uh, it's a sports channel. Of course, it's primarily um, football related because our CEO is a football mad person. <laughs> uh, and this is on YouTube? No, so, uh, well, Registad is primarily on social media, but there is a YouTube channel about um, that features um, Couple of hosts, one so CEO and one is um, a certified uh, certified coach uh, for one of the um, well. He used to coach uh, the Indonesian youth national team, okay. um, and they've been they've been friends for quite a while. And they were both they're both serious um, football you know, football fans. Once the Mangeran's a Manchester United fan, and uh, the coach, was Justin, is an Arsenal fan. Um, and so you can imagine what sort of banter they have. And this is not about, uh, this is not talking about 
football seriously. This is like lighthearted football talk where they just, you know, um, take swipes at each other and just have a generally have a have a good time talking, um, have, you know, talking. And uh, this is a fresh channel, and I think we've got quite a lot of um, interest as well. Uh, we have quite a big audience already uh, after only about three episodes. Um, so that channel is going uh, quite nicely. Um, yes, so the coverage for that is 80% football and 20% everything else. Right now, the focus uh, are on um, football, Formula One, and um, NFL. Um, with basketball also coming up because the season just started. Uh, and then we also have another plan for a lifestyle channel, um, as announced in you know uh, in our uh, funding press release uh, several weeks ago. But yeah, we're we're still working on the um, on the lifestyle channel. But right now, um, yeah, registers uh, growing quite nicely, and we're tweaking a lot on our subject. So it's is all of this to uh, to just capture more impressions. Uh, is there a, a bigger plan to this, or is this all about getting more ad impressions in there? None. No. Well, I wouldn't say so. Uh, so what one other product that um, I hadn't mentioned was uh, we have a live stream product that's set to launch uh, mid next year if um, if everything goes well. Um, I can't say exactly. Or the details at the moment, but um, a lot of this is leading up to that. And also, with Asumsi itself, um, the goal is still to bring, you know, uh, to bring politics to, uh, and to get the to get the younger Indonesia, uh, generation of Indonesians to be um, be more aware of what's going on, um, to understand why the government makes certain decisions and uh, which ones are. Um, are critical, which ones we should we, we should criticize, and it's, uh, and essentially you know um, trying to keep the government honest, you know, and because a, a lot of the um, a lot of the news and a lot of the things that are being um, put out there by every by a lot of people, and I don't, I don't just mean the media. I'm talking about um, the uh, media, social media, individuals. There's a lot of um, people who are I wouldn't say how do I say this. Um, Kind of the pulling a wool over our eyes, so to speak. You know? So we'd like to go behind it, and then we have to uncover that, you know, uh, that um, that veil and see what is really going on. Um, so the goal is to uh, to get even eventually to get even deeper into uh, into the government coverage, uh, what's going on in the parliament, and all that, um, and present that to our younger audience in a way that relates a lot better to them and how, uh, how they, you know, um, how they understand, um, how everything works. Sounds like uh, a lot of different, uh, products and a lot of different audiences. I'm, I'm just fascinated as to how these intersect. Um, I'm fascinated also about how, um, how much the di the Indonesia, uh, you know, how many are in Indonesia, of course, but how many are diaspora? And, uh, you know, you're mentioning stuff like NFL, um, mm. which, you know, I didn't realize that that, and by NFL, you mean the national, the, the, the American the, National Football League. Right. And so you have a large amount of fans in, in inside Indonesia, like have like formed into tribes and fans. 
those are interesting uh, audiences, man. It's not large. Uh, right. There is a. It's actually quite niche, but it's growing, um, and they're quite vocal about uh, about their love of you know of micro football. Um, personally, I'm. I can't. <laughs> I can't watch uh, three and a half hours of football. Just like how I can't watch like six hours of cricket. <laughs> or golf. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> but there's there's a lot to be. But, I, I find that there's a lot to find out here about uh, diaspora audiences. You know, like uh, yeah, people I mean, who want uh, to be, uh, you know, parts of different uh, Indonesian uh, communities that are around the world. Um, I'd yeah. be fascinated to know more about that. Some could be something that we um, we could get into. Yeah, I mean the the interest. I mean, just on on NFL, the interest there um, is helped by so there's oh, we have this um, the facility by the U.S. Embassy called Ad America. Uh, it's at one of the more high end malls in, in Jakarta. Um, they all uh, they tend to hold, no, every year they would hold um, Super Bowl what do you call it? Uh, Super Bowl sessions, right? So whenever it happens, um, they would invite everyone to go in and watch it all together. This is what before the pandemic, of course, and that actually helped. Raised a lot of interest over the over the past ten years, and so the awareness and interest on American football is like it's quite a growing uh, niche in in, uh, in the country. I guess I, I would say probably not as big as rugby yet because we do have rugby seventh team, which is uh, to be honest, kind of sad. <laughs> uh, the team's pretty. Um, it's a it's pretty low on the uh, on the performance rank, but with NFL, it's a lot of um, a lot of consumer interest, a lot of uh, merchandising opportunities, uh, and and there's a lot of people wanting to know what it's all about and how to get deeper into it. And so what we're doing is we're facilitating that interest. We're figuring out uh, um, how much more can we take this, you know, um, because obviously uh, there's not a lot of people who can actually played properly. Uh, the, the fields are just not readily available. Um, so it's, it's primarily a spectator sport at the moment, right? Not not to the level that yeah. football is. Whereas with football, it's just, it's, you know, um, everywhere. You know, it's just, just football mad. But yeah. in terms of interest and I guess uh, enthusiasm, it's almost on the same level when you go into those, you know, um, in, into the group, into the, the NFL community. So I think that's, yeah, that's, that's uh, an interesting way of thinking about it. Um, yeah, and we should probably wrap, but I, I want to try to sneak in this one last thing here. Um, sure. Speaking of sports and, uh, and engaging younger people, have you been thinking also about, about uh, eSports as, as something to get into? Yes, we have. It's actually uh, one of our plans, but it really comes down to resources <laughs> uh, and, and prioritization. Uh, eSports is certainly one of the issues that, uh, not issues, one of the... Um, uh, one of the fields that we want to get into. We have plans for that. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out what we can do about it and who we can uh, who can get on board for it. Because the, the sport is definitely huge in Indonesia. Um, we have, have a large number of teams across the board. Uh, so political, political parties actually have esports teams, believe it or not. So oh, Wait, wait, say that again? Polit Indonesian political parties have esports teams. Why? Talk us through that. <laughs> this is absolutely we're, we're, fascinating. We're going over time for you. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this, this actually caught me by surprise a few years ago. And, and this has been going on for a few years, right? So the way we saw it is that uh, the political parties feel like, uh, I think they, they felt that they were losing touch with the, um, with the younger voters and with the younger generation, the, the pre-voting age um, audience as well. So to get to that audience, to, to reach them, they would create their, uh, they created their own esports teams and fund them and try to get them to uh, international tournaments, carrying the name of the party, representing the party as well. And by doing that, they, they would, uh, they figured that they would be able to reach these uh, younger audience, get them to, to relate to the party, understand who the athletes, if, if not, uh, have them align with the party politically, at least get them to know who these people are, uh, what, and, and what oh, they stand for. Right. So, uh, and also because esports is, is a, you know, it's a pretty good business and there's that element of, you know, of finance as well into, um, into that interest. And so are that these is the, why... the large parties or the smaller ones that are looking for attention? Um, these are increasing, uh, interesting enough, the larger and mid-sized parties. Amazing. That's, that's worth yeah. a whole podcast in itself one day. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something that we probably should go into uh, even deeper because there's, um, yeah, the, uh, I, I don't know uh, how far along they are or how big their teams are, you know, um, but I know that, they, that they're there. They often promote them on, uh, on their social media. Then uh, often in, um, in local tournaments, they would, you know, they'd be there with their banners and everything. So I think yeah. that, that's that's a very interesting. Um, doing it, then thing. you should probably be be thinking about that too. I guess you know that's always a good, <laughs> that, a good principle, huh? Yeah, that is really fascinating. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's close this off on that on that really exciting note. I think this is uh, something that we should definitely be paying attention to. Uh, it's the first time I've heard of it. Uh, I can see that Rashad's equally shocked, uh, <laughs> and this is. I think an amazing story in itself. One day, I hope I hope you guys um, get the time to uh, to work on it. Yeah, and and once once we do, I'd love to talk about it. That is really that is a fascinating. I don't know. That's a fascinating media uh, audience for sure. And I'd love to I'd love to talk more. Uh, hey, we should wrap. Thank you so much, Olya. This has been wonderful. Thanks for joining us today on Spice Lofi. Uh, <laughs> and thanks thanks for turning up, man. So, yes, this is something we do every Friday morning. So if there's someone you'd like to hear on Lo-Fi, uh, like Olia, please let us know. If you're enjoying this in your podcast app, hit that subscribe button. You'll find more about Splice on splicemedia.com. We're going to catch you next week, which bizarrely is still going to be October 2021. 11 a.m. Oh, no. Singapore time. <laughs> Have a good weekend, guys. This is Splice. Wow, seriously, just when I, I thought, you know, we'd run out of audiences to address, there is this whole new, whole new one, fascinating segment. It's an entire series waiting to happen, you know, <laughs> amazing. Splice Esports is going to be a thing one day. It has to be. <laughs> I know. And if, if anybody from the rest of world team uh, is listening, why haven't you already done this? And if you have, please send me the story because this is such a ROW story.